0: Yeah, he's going to be day-to-day right now. Day-to-day listed as day-to-day. You're listening to Day-to-day on X106. Hello and welcome to Day-to-day. Andrew Botwinick alongside Jenny James here. We're going to go over some athletics today. We got early on, we have Northwest Basketball and their recap over the um, tournament this last weekend. And then we have some Division One college basketball, along with some NFL trade rumors that, that are not rumors anymore. Um, but Jenny, how's your week going out so far for you?
1: Pretty good, yeah. Um, exciting weekend for Northwest Athletics, that's for sure. Another um, t- conference title claimed for the guys' team and hosting the region this weekend. So it's going to be another exciting weekend up here at Maryville.
0: Yeah, and we're going to go ahead and recap some of the MIAA tournament um, we started, or I guess Northwest started their tournament last Thursday against Emporia State. It was a very close one, 82-79 um, to 79 at one point, I believe within a minute. Um, it was tied, I believe, 79 apiece. In that game for Emporia State, Julius Jackson had 38 or yeah, thirty-eight points for him, um, four rebounds, two assists, and then four Northwest. Joey witis 27 points, six rebounds. Trevor Hudgens, 26 points, 12, or no, not 12, sorry. 26 points, and then Ryan Hawkins, 13 points, 12 rebounds for him. Is there something that stuck out in that game that maybe lit a fire underneath this (laughs) Northwest team for the rest of the tournament?
1: I mean, I think that game obviously scared them a little bit. Um, Everybody plays so much harder during this MIAA tournament, so it wasn't shocking that I saw a close game. Um, But I think that definitely took them by a little bit of surprise just because it did come down to like the final seconds of the game. Um, Like you said, that one guy had 38 points, and he just could not miss a three-pointer. I don't know if he watched it, but, like, it was insane. Like, he just hit three after three after three after three, and I was like, "Um, I don't know how he's doing that. But um, Emporia definitely brought their A game to that um, game, but Northwest obviously coming out on top. I think that's just where experience comes in. Um, Obviously having – was this our fourth straight conference title?
0: I believe so. Yeah.
1: So obviously, there that shows Northwest is used to being in this type of environment, and they know that teams are going to play a lot harder um, this time of the year. So I think experience definitely is on Northwest side during this time.
0: Yeah, it was Julius Jackson. Was he's just I don't even know how to describe it. He was. It it wasn't like there was poor defense on Northwest part. They were they were in there. They were in his face.
1: He He, just couldn't miss.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, And they were. I was watching it from the baseline. And um, whenever we, they would call timeouts, you could see all the players for Northwest kind of get into the huddle, and McCollum was kind of just like sitting him down, like we need to focus on yeah. stopping him because that's where the that's where their offense is coming from. Yeah. If he, had, I mean, obviously he had 38 points out of their 79. <laughs> that's <laughs> that's well over half. Yeah. But after that game, the Emporia State game, uh, Northwest took on, I believe fifth seeded Lincoln, yep. and they won that one, 86 69, in that game. For Northwest, Joey Wittis led the way once again with 23 points. Diego Bernard followed behind with 21 points, seven rebounds. Hudgens, Hawkins, and Welty all in double digits as well. So this one more of a well-rounded offensive game yeah. for Northwest.
1: Yeah, definitely wasn't. Um, I think Leakin has been one of those teams that they kind of struggled to find consistency all year because we, um, I think they played – when we played them here in Maryville, they played a pretty tight game, but when we traveled to Lincoln, it wasn't even close. So I think they're struggling with consistency. Um, definitely a team though, to look out for in the future. I think that they're going to have a really good program and a successful one in the future. But um, again, Northwest having the experience at this time of the year, you can just really tell the difference.
0: Yeah. And, and like, you hit it right on the, right on the nail there that this Lincoln team is good, but they're still just a little bit too raw of talent. I think that once they hone that in, I, I think that this Lincoln team is going to be a team that people are going to want to schedule yeah, on that I agree. list for sure. <laughs> um, and then after that game, we saw on Sunday the, the championship game against Washburn, and it was surprisingly not as close um, as a lot of people would have hoped. But when Northwest played them earlier this season, it was much of the same. At the very last game of the season, a 72-49 to win for Northwest and then we, we see here in this championship game for the MIAA, 82-53. to 53, So very similar scoring um, in that game. Hudgens led the way, 27 points, 8 assists. And then Wittis right behind with 25 points, 7 rebounds. And Diego Bernard with 8 and 8 rebounds and points. So a little bit more top-heavy in what Northwest has been used to seeing. But once again, Trevor Hudgens with another 20-point yeah. game against this tough Washburn team.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think Trevor and Joey just really took control of the game uh, yesterday. Uh, You can just see, like, them two at the top of the key. They're always communicating with each other, and they're trying to, like, control that offense together because, obviously, Trevor, the point guard, he's, like, the commander of the offense, but he's always looking at Joey, trying to see what Joey's doing, trying to figure out something because Joey's one of the main playmakers. So I think that's really cool to see just kind of these guys that are trying to control the offense and get something going whenever, you know, Coach Mack is... Getting all frustrated and slamming his foot like he normally does, but um, I just think it's really cool to see Joey how how he has stepped up this year, and because um, I mean last year was his first year on the team, but this year it looks like he's been here all four years. Just the way he gels, you know, with the team.
0: Yeah, and speaking of first year on the team, we get into the NCAA tournament. The very first matchup we see this Saturday is going to be Northwest against Joey Wittes' alma yeah. mater minnesota state and in, in mankato yeah and and that's gonna be a game that there's a there's a couple of different storylines that this game is yeah. going to probably go into
1: yeah exactly I mean not only is this his previous team this was the team that beat Northwest in the first round last year so this is definitely um Northwest is gonna have a really big chip on their shoulder um I kind of feel like yeah we're the number one seed coming into the regional tur- tournament and they're the eight but um it's kind of almost like we're like the underdog role because they beat us last year so kind of cool to see what's going to happen but um, I, I feel a little more confident with this this year's team just because um, towards the end of last year we were really unsure what was going to happen with Pitts and so I think that threw a lot of the um, vibe off for the team so that just was you know kind of chaotic and so I think that contributed to you know our the season ending so soon so I definitely feel a lot more confident um, at this point yeah there's
0: a lot of question marks (laughs) i remember last year whenever we were coming into the tournament but for wittis this season it's kind of like a revenge for last year's loss yeah and after he's gone and to come to come and be able to play at home in maryville yeah to kind of go against your old team it just he's either going to have a a 30 point game yeah or on the flip side minnesota state's going to know exactly what he wants to do and they're going to watch plenty of film and He's going to have yeah. a poor shooting night, but we've seen nights where Joey Wittis maybe isn't on top of his game completely, mm-hmm. and you see people like Diego Bernard, Hudgens, basically anybody out of that starting five is going to catch fire exactly. real quick.
1: Exactly. That's the thing that's so exciting about this year's squad is that if one person's off, you know that somebody else is going to be on. So um, even, I mean, it's really exciting when they're all gelling together and just totally, you know, blowing opponents out, scoring three figures, like that's so exciting. But um, I, I think that's... Like the culture that Coach Mack creates is that um, if one person may not be having their game, another is gonna you know lift them up, and he's gonna you know take control. So I think that's a really good confidence booster that I've seen from this culture on the team this year.
0: Yeah, it's certainly interesting to see. Once again, the Northwest game will be this Saturday, uh, March 16th at 6 p.m. KZLX, I believe, will have coverage of every single game this entire weekend starting at noon on Saturday. I believe it's going to be Ryan and Jacob on the call for that game. So be ready to tune in for that one. We're going to take a quick commercial break, and we will be right back with some Division I basketball. And we are back on day-to-day. Andrew Botwinick alongside Jenny James. We just went over some Northwest basketball in Division Two, and now we're going to jump back up to Division I. We had some good games this weekend. We're going to go ahead and recap uh, the Tennessee-Auburn game, where Auburn had a little bit of a... Sneaky upset 84 to 80 against the Volunteers. In that game, Grant Williams had 25 points, 9 rebounds for the Vols, along with Jordan Bone at 17 points, 7 assists. And then on the flip side for Auburn, we have three players in double digits Uh, Okiki Chuma, 22 points, 5 rebounds. Bryce Brown, 16 points. And Jared Harper, 16 points as well. And this is a game that coming down to the end of the season, if you're Tennessee, you you were sitting at the top of the SEC. You were tied with I believe Kentucky and LSU as well and and losing this game to to an Auburn team that started the year really hot and just kind of slumped throughout the rest of it is it's not a loss you want to have on your rock, on your roster.
1: No, I definitely was not expecting this upset. Um was okay, can you recap the Tennessee Kentucky game? Did Tennessee just get upset by Kentucky or did They beat Kentucky.
0: Initially, when it was in Kentucky, the very first time these two teams met, um, Kentucky blew them out at home. And then when they went and played in Tennessee, the last time these two teams met, Tennessee blew them out at home.
1: Yeah, okay. So that's the thing is after that game, I thought Tennessee would definitely finish the season strong. So I really was not expecting this upset. But, uh, yeah, they're kind of in trouble now um, in the SEC standings because actually LSU is on top, and it looks like Tennessee and Kentucky are tied. At second, so that's really unfortunate <laughs> for Tennessee. They um, kind of slipped up at the wrong time, but um, I mean they're still fine in AP poll, so they'll be fine for tournament picking. Maybe not, won't have a as high of a seed as they would have, but um, yeah, that really hurts them for the conference, though.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, it really does, and, and we'll we'll get more into the AP poll here in a little bit. Uh, the next game that we have up, the Marquette and Georgia Hoyas. Georgetown got a, a close win, um, 86-84, and now Marquette has dropped four straight conference games here late in the season to Villanova, Creighton, Seton Hall, and, and now Georgetown. And uh, in that game, I believe, I was I was watching some of it, just trying to keep up with it. Um, yeah, two players for Georgetown in double figures, uh, McClung and Akinjo. And then for Marquette, Sam Hauser just 7 points on 2 of 11 shooting, and Marcus Howard 28 points on 8 of 25 shooting. So, so not exactly the best shooting performance for Marquette, and, and they're starting to really slump here coming into the tournament.
1: <laughs> yeah, I agree. And then another score I wanted to point, uh, point out that relates kind of to Marquette was Nova losing to Seton Hall. Yeah, like Seton Hall is just kind of coming out of nowhere, and I, I clay, I think we talk, talked about this team last week. They always do this when it comes down to tournament time, like right around March. We always see Seton Hall pop up in the tournament. I'm just like, who is this team? Yeah, but okay, like did they you said they beat Marquette earlier in the season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they beat Marquette. They beat Villanova. So, wow, like that's. That's pretty huge. <laughs> it,
0: it's it's going to be something, and Seton Hall is projected to be one of those last few teams into the tournament, and, and yeah, they, they play really well at the end of every single season. When it's every year. That
1: it's every year, and it just I mean, it makes sense now because they're making a comeback, beating Marquette and Villanova. So I would say they they definitely deserve a, a spot there in the tournament, but it's kind of funny to see. <laughs>
0: exactly, and the next game that we have on our docket just a sec here is duke north carolina north carolina has been a very streaky team this season um had a couple a couple of games where they they maybe weren't playing as well but they they're looking really strong here late in the season as they knocked off duke once again 79 70 and that's a game that it was it was close for a little while but north carolina just kind of took control and it it really was in their hands the entire Mm -hmm. game i feel like yeah
1: i definitely think that North Carolina is going to be a team to watch out for in the tournament. And I think Duke is in trouble. I really do. Um, they just have been falling apart ever since Zion got hurt. And that should not I feel like that shouldn't be an excuse for them when they have these all these other um, key players on their team. But, I mean, they really have. They've just been totally falling apart ever since he got hurt. And um, I think North Carolina is going to be a, a dangerous team in the tournament.
0: Yeah, they have their points evenly spread out. Um, Duke, with their starters, R.J. Barrett had 26 points, 12 rebounds, 4 assists, shooting 10 of 27, and then Cam Reddish, 23 points, 5 rebounds for him, and then on the flip side for North Carolina, every single starter was in double figures except for Luke May, but Luke May had 16 rebounds and 7 assists, along with his 7 yeah. points, so <laughs> very spaced out points, and and Kobe White led the, led the way in scoring for North Carolina with 21, so... Your lowest score in in the game is seven, and your highest score is twenty one but the guy that had seven had sixteen rebounds and seven assists so yeah it's, it's not
1: just one person that they're relying on whereas Duke that was kind of the vibe even though they have all of these other really good you know players that should be spreading it out like North Carolina's doing, but they're not so it's kind of resulting in what we're seeing I think
0: yeah it's North Carolina's starting to they're starting to catch fire yeah, they and are. It's it's going to be interesting to see what happens come March. Uh, the next game for the Big Ten title was Michigan versus Michigan State. And Michigan State completed the sweep 75-63. to 63. And in the middle of this game, it looked like it was going to be Michigan. Michigan was up early. They started the game really, really hot. And then all of a sudden, it just kind of came down crashing. And, and Michigan State was able to take control, and, and they went on to win.
1: I think Michigan State's another one of those teams that um – is hitting like a hot streak at the right time. And Michigan has kind of been hanging around there at that same, you know, nine and like 10 spot in the AP. So they've definitely kind of been like they're trying to hang on, whereas Michigan State's definitely hitting a streak at the right time. And I think that's definitely what we saw Saturday.
0: <laughs> yeah. And for Michigan in that game, we had two players in double figures, Brad Dykus and Jordan Poole as well. And then for Michigan State, uh, Cassius Winston led the way 23 points, four rebounds, seven assists and then Tillman also had 17 points with that and, and you kind of you nailed it right there again Michigan State playing a lot better basketball recently aside from I think they had a loss last week maybe two weeks ago to I believe it was Indiana it's a one point loss and and people were already counting this Michigan State team out and then they go out and do stuff like this where they where they beat a team another top 10 team and it's kind of mm-hmm. like you kind of get the best of both worlds, where you're you're playing really well against really good competition, yeah. And you slip up against a team like Indiana. They they have another loss to Illinois. They have they got swept by Indiana this year, and then a Purdue game back when Purdue was not as as well as they've been recently. So it's interesting to kind of see where this Michigan State team is gonna where they're gonna show up come tournament time.
1: Yeah, know I definitely agree with you there.
0: And then the last game that we have here. Um, that we're going to recap is the Houston-Cincinnati game. And I believe Houston won that game. I think it was 85-69. to I'm looking to see here. Give me just a sec. I want to say that was what the yeah. score was. Eighty-five,
1: sixty-nine. 85-69. Or yeah.
0: So uh, Houston went ahead and claimed the ACC title with that win. I believe it's the very first time since 1992, I want to say, <laughs> that, that they've won that ACC title outright.
1: Wow. That's impressive. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and for Houston, Corey Davis Jr. at career-high 31 points, six assists for Houston. And then for Cincinnati, just two players in double figures, Brooks and Cumberland. Cumberland with 20, Brooks with 16. So Houston, uh, Houston this Houston team has kind of been hitting their stride. They had one loss last week that dropped them pretty big in, in the AP poll, and they're back on track, getting their wins back up in the number and and Cincinnati also playing really well basketball, but in, in this UCF team, that's the third one in the ACC. We or that we've talked about in the AAC, um, they're playing really good basketball too, and they're mm-hmm. sitting. We'll get into it later, but they're sitting at twenty six now for for the ranking yeah. for AP, and we, we're probably going to get all Who three did they of those just teams
1: upset recently.
0: Uh, they beat, I believe, they beat Houston. What was it? Yeah, I, I believe knew
1: UCF. I thought they upset somebody like really big, but it might it might have been he- the Houston game that I'm thinking it of. It was,
0: yeah. 69-64.
1: Yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. So, I mean, that's really w- kind of weird and interesting to see possibly three of those teams from that conference making it in.
0: <laughs> yeah, and, and, and that's where it's going to be interesting. And those are our games that we're recapping. We're going to take a quick break and come right back with the AP poll. We're going to spend a good majority <laughs> of our time at because they've finally been getting a little bit m- closer to what it should be. <laughs> And we're back here on day to day. We're gonna go ahead and go into some AP poll because this is—it's a lot better now in week (laughs) 19. We finally figured out some stuff that's been going around in the college basketball world. And from last week to this week, the top three remain the same: Gonzaga at number one, Virginia at number two, and North Carolina at number three. But from then on out, everybody moves around at least a little bit. Mm -hmm. The rest of the top 10 shakes out as Kentucky moving up to number four. Duke dropping down to number five. Michigan State back up to number six. Texas Tech up at number seven. Tennessee drops three spots to number eight. LSU bumps up one to number nine. And then Michigan drops down three to number 10. And me personally looking at this, I think you and you and I talked about it for Mm -hmm. sure. We think that Michigan State and Duke should flip five and six. Michigan State had played a much better last week than Duke did yeah. Um, and beating a Michigan team versus being beat by North Carolina is a pretty big difference.
1: Yeah, and especially because was that win against Michigan, the the conference for them? So, yeah, they just clinched a conference title. So I, I definitely think that they should be above Duke, who just lost to North Carolina. So uh, definitely those two should be switched. But other than that, I mean, I think the top ten looks you know pretty accurate.
0: I think the only other thing that kind of bothers me is the same kind of thing that we talked about with the big 12 and and how the ranking for that is set up um lsu sitting behind tennessee after i believe i, I think you said lsu is the leader in the, the and yeah. they ended up winning the sec yeah i think that you switch those two i think lsu should be eight and tennessee should be nine just because how lsu ended up winning in the sec i think that
1: i think tennessee and kentucky were tied mm -hmm. for for second so yeah i kind of agree with that too
0: but it's interesting because now kentucky's up at number four i don't think you put lsu all the way up at number four but
1: that's what's tricky is like you have teams that win when out the conference but then their rankings are lower or higher whatever it may be so eh, it's a little confusing
0: (laughs) (laughs) but after number 10 at michigan we have 11 houston that draw that gained another spot florida state jumps up two spots to number 12 purdue drops to number 13 nevada up three spots from where they were sitting last week to number 14 k state back in the top 15 at number 15 virginia tech at number 16 kansas drops four to number 17 buffalo moves up one to 18 wisconsin at 19 and then wofford moves up two to number 20
1: Wofford, there they are again. <laughs> I think, I feel like they finally got it right um, with the Big 12 because when you look at the conference standings, uh, Texas Tech and K State are tied, and then Kansas is right behind. So I feel like they finally got those rankings kind of right. Um, obviously, they dropped Kansas four spots and moved K State up three. So I feel like they finally kind of let go of some of the favoritism towards. Uh, Kansas, so um, I definitely agree with that. I, th- I think Texas Tech is ranked um, high and where they should be, and uh, K State at fifteen—that's I think pretty reasonable. And then obviously Kansas, yeah. I'd, after losing to Oklahoma, yeah, I think four spots was pretty good, <laughs> pretty yeah. good of a drop.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I think so too. And kind of losing the Big Twelve, I think. Although they might not want to say it, I think that's part of it too. Yeah, is that you look at K State and you look at Texas Tech who who split the Big Twelve title and you see this Kansas team that struggled on the road the entire season. I think they finished three and eight, three and nine. They did not play well That's on bad. the road. <laughs> Granted they played amazing at home. They did not lose a game at home this season, but the road losses are painful. They're painful for this Kansas team and <laughs> come Oklahoma. tournament
1: time <laughs> really
0: <laughs> come tournament time it's going to be interesting to see how this Kansas team plays because none of the games are going to be played at home
1: oh I know I I think it's gonna be interesting to see what happens here when the their, their conference tournament starts because I don't think they're gonna do very well I could see them losing you know first round so I think that'll be interesting to watch too is the conference tournament and see how that even affects them for you know the madness later
0: yeah they they say it won't affect much but it's everyone's going to be thinking about it yeah
1: yeah for sure
0: and then the rest of the top 25 maryland at number 21 jumps up three spots auburn gets into the ap poll at number 22 marquette drops seven spots to number 23 cincinnati at 24 dropping four spots and then villanova rounding out the top 25 at number 25 and then the others receiving votes UCF, right on the edge of coming in, along with VCU. Hmm.
1: No Seton Hall.
0: Uh, let's see. I do not see they didn't receive that's any interesting. votes. Interesting.
1: Yeah, that's interesting. They beat Marquette and Villanova, and both of those teams are still at twenty-two and twenty-five. So, hmm.
0: I think the interesting thing is you you have the AP poll, and you have these teams like Wisconsin, Auburn, um, Maryland, who who have not really played well the the majority of the year but they play well enough i guess at the end of the year yeah that they kind of throw them in there especially like this auburn team yeah you you win a a really good game against tennessee and all of a sudden the next week you see yourself sitting there in the top 25 at the very bottom of it just kind of like a participation like you did it here you go here's number 22 23
1: yeah yeah, I don't really like that. I don't, yeah, I definitely don't agree with that. I think a team like Seton Hall definitely deserves to have like the 24, 25 spot beating two, you know, really high caliber teams like Marquette and Villanova. So uh, I don't really agree with the end of that. And yeah, yeah,
0: because the way they have it now is that they're saying that this Maryland and Auburn team are, be- are better than Marquette, Cincinnati, and Villanova. And I don't agree with any of that. Yeah. I, th- I think it should probably have, if you're going to have the teams that are in there now from 21 down to 25. It should probably go Marquette, Cincinnati, Villanova, then Maryland and Auburn. If you had to put, because yeah. I don't think Maryland and Auburn are, are a top twenty. Yeah, I definitely
1: team. don't think Auburn should be in there at all.
0: Yeah, I don't agree with that either. <laughs> but looking, they got the
1: first part of it right. <laughs> yeah, they sort really of. did. They really did. I
0: guess that's all that matters. <laughs> that's that's the part that everybody was kind of arguing about back and forth. Yeah. But um, we we both got the bracketology pulled up, um, and we'll go ahead and start with the East Region where they have Virginia as the number one seed, Tennessee down to the number two seed. Uh, let's see here. Three seed of Houston, the four seed of Kansas, five seed of Maryland, the six seed of Nevada, the seven seed of Louisville, eight and nine, Washington and Old Miss. And then you have Minnesota, Texas, Murray State, Hofstra, and then Montana, Colgate, and the winner of Iona, Norfolk State.
1: Oh, Norfolk State. Who did they upset? Was it Mizzou that they beat?
0: Yeah. Oh,
1: jeez. I will never forget that. It was that. A, 15 yeah. and
0: a 15 seed.
1: Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Good old Mizzou.
0: Yeah. <laughs> but looking at, looking at where they have the East set up, I think for the most part, um, there are some good matchups. I, I do like Maryland-Murray State because I have a feeling Murray State will win that one. I have wow, a very yeah. slight feeling that, that Murray State's a little bit better hmm. um, basketball. I don't really like Nevada-Texas because I think Nevada is going to run away with that game because Texas is not a good team. They Granted, they play in a power five, but that's yeah. about all they have going for them.
1: Yeah, I think the Washington and Ole Miss, though, should be a decent matchup, I would think. Maybe. Yeah.
0: I feel like that one's that one's a good matchup because I don't like either one of those teams. I think the Pac-12 was very, very poor in comparison for being a top or a Power Five conference. Yeah, there there was really no one yeah. from. I think they only have two representatives. I believe Washington and I believe Arizona State snuck in somewhere in here. Yeah, Arizona State should be somewhere in here. Yeah, they're they're in the Midwest region, but other than that. I think for the most part, there are some pretty good games. Louisville, Mm -hmm. Minnesota.
1: Yeah, that should be pretty good.
0: Yeah, and then obviously the Maryland-Murray State, that's going to be the one that I would think out of the East region is going to be a a very close game and one that will be a lot closer than some people think. Um, Going into the West region, Gonzaga the number one seed, LSU the number two seed, Purdue the number three seed, Florida State at four, Marquette at five, and then the 6 seed of Villanova, 7 seed of Cincinnati, 8 seed Baylor against 9 seed Syracuse, and then the 10 seed Oklahoma, the 11 seed Florida, 12 seed of NC State or Ohio State, 13 seed Liberty, 14 seed Harvard, 15 seed Bradley and then 16 seed St uh, St Francis or Prairie View A&M
1: how is Marquette sitting at a five seed? Is my question. Yeah. I don't, and they have Nova at six. So.
0: I think it's interesting because they have Marquette at a five, but in in the East they have Nevada at a six, and Nevada's top. I think they were thirteenth. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. They were they were fourteenth. They're fourteenth this like week.
1: Twenty
0: three. Yeah, it, it's it's interesting to kind of see, wow. in, in the bracketology where everybody shakes up. Yeah. I think. In a lot of these matchups, um, Florida State Liberty could be an interesting one. I think Purdue Harvard, surprisingly, Harvard is is, is the, one of those Ivy League schools. Every single season, one of the whichever one comes in from that Ivy League conference usually gives whatever team they're playing a mm-hmm. run for their money for some reason.
1: Yeah, I think Nova Florida. That's going to be a really good matchup there. I think Florida could upset Villanova.
0: Yeah, I think so too. I think it could be it could be really interesting, and, and I do sort of like um, a Gonzaga Syracuse in the second round. Mm. If if Syracuse beats Baylor in that yeah. first round, I think that Jim Beheim might give Gonzaga a potential run for their money.
1: Yeah, yeah, and then even Oklahoma Cincinnati could be interesting just because Oklahoma f- probably feeling on top of the world coming off of that <laughs> KU upset. So.
0: Yeah, and meanwhile, at Cincinnati, (laughs) not winning their their conference is going to be kind of crucial to them. Yeah. But looking into the Midwest now, we have number one seeded North Carolina taking on Sam Houston State, the 16 seed. Number eight UCF versus number nine Utah State. Number five Auburn versus Clemson or TCU. Number four Wisconsin taking on UC Irvine. Number six Buffalo versus number eleven Saint John's. Number three Texas Tech versus number fourteen Georgia State, number seven Wofford versus number ten Arizona State, and then Michigan State, the number two seed, against Omaha, the fifteen seed. And this is just Joe Lunardi's bracketology on ESPN. This isn't anything official, but that that's where it's possible to be sh- to be sitting.
1: Auburn at a five seed. I'm sorry, what?
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah it's. There are, there are definitely some some question marks that kind of have you scratching your head looking at at where everybody's sitting.
1: Yeah. Wow. That does not make any sense that they're send, they're giving out five seeds to Marquette and Auburn teams that are at the very end of the top 25 poll. Hm. That just that doesn't make very much sense to me.
0: Yeah, it it's going to be interesting. I think UCF, Utah State could be a very very good matchup that 8 and 9 seed. Um and yeah, with with Auburn being a five seed in this one, I think if it's TCU that gets the twelve seed, I think TCU rolls with that game.
1: Uh, I definitely agree. I think TCU has they have a really strong home court advantage, as, as we have seen, and obviously, I mean, this is going to be in Kansas City if they if they do end up in the Midwest. But um, I think they're a very dangerous team because you don't know what to really expect from them. So I I definitely think that they would they would be Auburn if that was the matchup.
0: Yeah, I think so too. Another one that passed the first round in this side of the bracket, assuming Wofford beats Arizona State and Michigan State beats Omaha, I think Wofford-Michigan State could be a really good game because Wofford's been able to hang with some, some of the heavier-ranked um, teams in, in, the, in their conferences and at a non-conference games They, they were an 11-point game against North Carolina, um, lost to KU pretty bad but whenever Mississippi State was ranked 17th, they hung with them, nine-point game, and they they haven't really lost any since then. So it's it's interesting to kind of see a team like Wofford where they haven't really played the best of talent mm-hmm. come into this tournament, and they, they're riding high on the conference, and their conference play being not near as good yeah. as maybe Michigan State. So, so it'll be interesting to see if that's a matchup that we see past the first round.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's always that one team that nobody's really heard of, but they make it super far. Like they could be the next loyal Chicago or whatever it may be. So, um, yeah, I think that'll be really interesting to see um, how far, you know, they can make it.
0: Yeah. And then closing out with the South Conference, uh, or the South Region, I guess, um, Kentucky, number one, taking on Garner Webb, number 16. Number eight and number nine, VCU in Iowa. Number five, number 12, Virginia Tech, New Mexico State. Number four, Kansas State versus number 13, Vermont. Number six, Mississippi State versus number 11, Temple. Number three, Michigan versus number 14, Old Dominion. Number seven, Iowa State versus number 10, Seton Hall. And then number two, Duke versus number 15, Wright State.
1: I don't know how I feel about Michigan with the three seed. How do you feel about that?
0: I feel like they kind of got snubbed a little bit. I
1: they think They got snubbed?
0: I, I think that they're a little bit better recent than, than what we've seen. I think right now, I would say if they went head-to-head, Michigan State beats out Duke. And I, I think that Michigan should probably get the two-seed over Duke. Uh, off of what we've seen without Zion Williamson.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's true. Yeah, I
0: think that there there's a good chance that out of the three seeds that, that are left in, according to this, mm-hmm. um, you have Texas Tech, you have uh, Michigan, you have Purdue and you have Houston. I, I think Texas Tech and Michigan are playing the best basketball right now. So I think one of those two teams, probably Texas Tech, should get that two seed. Yeah. If there's one that's up for grabs. Yeah,
1: so. I would say Texas Tech over Michigan, just because with Michigan the Michigan State game. So, um, yeah, eh, yeah. I guess Michigan would be a three seed. I, I was maybe maybe a four, but. Because then you have K State at the four seed in the South with Michigan, so eh, maybe swap those two. I don't know.
0: Should be interesting. Um, there are there are some pretty good games, and and Seton Hall does sneak in at a ten seed going up against Iowa State, and I think honestly in that game I would probably pick Seton Hall. I would too, especially.
1: With how they're playing towards the end of the year, they're, they're, I swear it's that team every year. I never pick them, and then they always make it into like the second or the third round. And I'm like, yeah, I should have picked them.
0: And it's interesting because now there's four Big East teams in, in the tournament. You have in the South region, you have Seton Hall and Temple, and then in the West region, you have Marquette and Villanova. So they put two and two for the Big East in, in each division, and that that usually doesn't happen region wise. They don't usually put. Mm-hmm. All of them in the same region, like that.
1: Would it change very much, like the final bracket? Do you think that they would take, like, take those teams and kind of separate them, or do you think it would stay?
0: I think it would stay. And I actually, looking at it now, Temple Temple's not in the big <laughs> Big East anymore. It's St. John's that are that are in there. St. Uh, right, yeah. John's is in the Midwest. Yeah. So, so I think that if it was to stick with it like that, if there were teams like that, I think they would keep them and just kind of let it play out. Just with with how it is because they try, I think what yeah. they try and do seating wise is try and make it so that a team like Buffalo isn't put in like the West region where they have to go all the way out to Anaheim yeah. to play I think but
1: yeah I could be wrong Makes sense. yeah
0: so that is the bracketology and the AP poll we are going to take another break and we're going to come back with some NFL trade rumors some completed and some not yet done and we're back got some NFL news going on. Around, we have obviously the, the biggest name out of the weekend, Antonio Brown, for for all of the NFL. He was rumored to have gone to the Bills. The deal got struck down, and instead he gets sent to Oakland. So the Raiders are getting just Antonio Brown, and the Steelers are getting a 2019 third and 2019 fifth round pick, and then that is all they get for Antonio Brown.
1: Yikes. <laughs> As a Chiefs fan, that makes me like a little, a little uneasy, just because it's Antonio Brown, but doesn't seem like they're getting, you know, very much else.
0: (laughs) Yeah, there's and there's a lot of it that dealt with Antonio Brown and what he did towards the tail end of of his time in Pittsburgh. He kind of made sure that his stock value went way down. The Steelers didn't get near as much as they could have gotten from him if they would have traded him at any other point during the season.
1: Yeah. Well then didn't he threaten like retirement or something if they were gonna send him to the Bills?
0: I think he said
1: He brought up something. Yeah,
0: he said that he wasn't gonna report to the Bills report. if they were if they traded him away that they were just gonna not he was just not going to show up. And it's it's something that's interesting Jeez. because he doesn't have a no trade clause in his in his contract and the Steelers, well, they backed out of the trade, and they were like, well, if you're not going to report, we're not going to trade you to them. And so in a sense, they kind of gave him a no-trade clause to kind of say, like, well, we're going to trade you to this team, and, he's, and if he says, well, I don't want to play for that team, then the Steelers at that point would have would have taken the offer off the table is what it seemed like.
1: Jeez. It's basically controlling it whenever you're not really supposed to. <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. But that was not the only deal that Oakland made. Um, they also traded away their left guard, Kalichi Osimile to the New York Jets for a 2019 fifth-round pick to kind of make up for that fifth-round pick they traded for Antonio Brown. So not a huge deal going on there. They also paid Trent Brown, I believe, a four-year, $66 million contract today to fill up that guard spot as well. So the Raiders, <laughs> Raiders are making some moves, the first <laughs> couple of moves here um, that we've seen from the NFL offseason. In other news, the Detroit Lions... Signed Danny Amendola to a one-year $4.5 million deal. Um, Malik Jackson signs with the Philadelphia Eagles on a three-year $30 million deal. And let's see here. Trent Brown, like I just mentioned, four-year deal, $66.8 million to go to the Raiders. And then the biggest one, I believe the most recent one as well, um, the San Francisco 49ers signed Kawan Alexander, a four-year $54 million deal with 27 million guaranteed and there are some speculations that that might not be the biggest move that the the San Francisco 49ers are going to be making this offseason they are in the rumor to get the Odell Beckham jr sweepstakes oh jeez so they haven't released of anything that it's that, a potential trade it's, it's kind of interesting because the NFL doesn't do what the NBA does where they just release everything that's offered so but there is rumors that Odell Beckham jr could be on the move and San Francisco looks to be the spot to land him first.
1: Wow. (laughs) That's all I got to say. (laughs) That would be
0: be something. But looking at a more local um, news, the Chiefs release Justin Houston, and that trio of Tom Bahali, Justin Houston, and Derek Johnson are now officially, all three of them are no longer Chiefs. I believe Tom Bahali retired last year, if I'm not mistaken. I don't think anybody re-signed him. I know Derek Johnson also retired, and... Justin Houston, and I don't know if you've heard this report, apparently has a really good relationship with one of the defensive coaches for the New England Patriots.
1: Oh, no. <laughs> no. I'm, I will not. I can't.
0: So nope. nothing, nothing's been said. It's just no. some speculation. But re- kind of reflecting on Justin Houston, I know <laughs> during the break whenever we were talking about what was going be, to be coming up, we were both kind of going back and forth about, good or bad, maybe the intentions of, of why they, they re-signed, When I know you were not happy about it at all. No, I'm
1: not at all. I think it's really dumb. I do. Um, <laughs> I just don't understand it. I understand they're trying to save up money for the big contracts of Tyreek Hill and Mahomes. So, I mean, obviously you don't want to lose those players, but okay, <laughs> you're letting somebody go who is a, like a key player in your defense, who's a veteran, who knows this team. I just don't think that's very smart.
0: Yeah, no, I, I totally get you because I think the main reason, like you said, was they're trying to cut him to get rid of that twenty million a yeah. year to try and save up money for Mahomes, try and save up money for Tyreek Hill, and with with the shape that the Chiefs' defense is in right now, it's hurting us. <laughs> it's yeah. hurting
1: them more than it's I think going to help because you know people say, well, oh, we're gonna we're gonna get some really good rookies or whatever, but they're not going to play for another two to three years until they are <laughs> ready. So I just, I don't agree, especially when that defense is already struggling enough.
0: Yeah, and I think they're, in looking at this class from kind of what I've seen so far for this defensive class, I say there's about six to seven people that could come onto the roster, onto anybody's roster, and immediately make an impact. And I believe where I've seen mock drafts, about four or five of them are going in the first round to the early second round. So there is a slim window to try and get someone that, that's going to immediately impact your team, and
1: yeah.
0: and there there are rumors that, that D Ford after getting the franchise tag could be on the move as well. That they, they would, ha- I'm assuming the Chiefs would have to get a, a pretty good deal to get rid of D Ford now.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. I think getting rid of both of them would be very dumb. So unless you, like you said, got a very good deal for D Ford, but. It better be a good deal <laughs> yeah. if you're going to get rid of both of
0: them. Yeah, especially if it's something for the for the draft specifically, because you don't know how any of these guys perform. Like you said, exactly. There, there's a lot of these players that you're you're not 100 percent sure how they're going to perform when they get onto the field. Yeah, there, there are some question marks about certain players that you're like, well, maybe they could they could be the next D four, and at this point, if you have D four, you you might as well keep him. Yeah. Because you have him, and he's already proven that he he's one of the best pass rushers in the league. Yeah. And there there's rumors as well. I know early last week, I haven't really seen anything recent, um, but there was rumors that Eric Berry could also be potentially on the move because of the same reason as Justin Houston with the contract being an issue, trying to free up as much money as they can. I don't think that they ever trade Eric Berry. I think he, he is a lifer for the Chiefs after everything that he's been through, the cancer. Yeah. all all of the season-ending injuries and and what he's able to bring to the team. and We kind of saw it late in the season, the last couple weeks when he played. Yeah. He he was making sure everybody was lined up right.
1: Right, yeah, because obviously there was a ton of miscommunication out there, and he was the only one that knew what was going on. Yes. So I'm not just saying this because he's my favorite NFL player, but – he brings so much more to the table than just being a good player like you just mentioned he's a lifer like he brings so much to the team and i think even when he is done playing i think the chiefs would hire him as a coach in a heartbeat just because he brings so much to the table and he's a great leader and just everything he's been through it's just amazing so if they do trade him That's going to be – I I probably won't speak to anybody for a week after that because I'm going to be very upset. (laughs) I don't blame you.
0: I I wouldn't either. And and I was talking about earlier this season when he was out and and he wasn't playing, I was thinking maybe that's when the Chiefs offer him a position as maybe a cornerback-specific coach. Or a safeties coach, mm-hmm. or even a co defensive coordinator, because Bob Sutton wasn't getting the job done. Right,
1: right. But then he announced that he wasn't going to be having surgery, so that makes me feel like he's confident in coming back next season to play. So I don't know. Guess so we'll, we'll see. see. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll see if Eric Berry
0: <laughs> continues to to progress with with all of the injuries he's been through and and come back and do exactly what he did towards the end of the season. Because when he came back, he he played really well. Yeah. There there were not a lot of times where. You would see that you could look at Eric Berry on the field and say, that's a guy that hasn't been playing for 16 weeks. You kind of right. look at him and you're like, he, he's able to do things that he, that he did before. Hasn't looked like he's missed a beat at all.
1: Yeah. I think that just says a lot about his character and just who he is as a player.
0: Yeah, exactly. We're going to take another quick break and we'll be right back for the ending of the show with our Monday Maniacs. And we are back here for the last about minute and a half of day to day. We have some, monday maniacs i'll go ahead and start first um i had for mine the in in the mac with two a's tournament uh the number six monmouth hawks who are who are most notably known um for for their bench in the tournament uh, the NCAA tournament their bench was every single time that anything anything good happened for monmouth <laughs> they they were on their feet ready to ready to cheer their incredible celebrations that were very well scripted and, and performed. <laughs> they they took on the number two ranked uh, Golden Griffins in the in the MAC and beat them seventy three to fifty nine. So they advanced to the next round. A pretty big upset for a fourteen and twenty team this season. So <laughs> fourteen
1: and twenty. But yeah,
0: fourteen and twenty. And they got the six seed and beat the two seed. So wow. What did you end up getting for yours? years?
1: So DJ Laster, a senior, on Gardner Webb scored thirty two points to help Gardner Webb to the big South tournament title they won the title and then obviously an automatic bid to the tournament so this is their first ever tournament appearance so
0: interesting yeah so we both had some <laughs> some mid major news yeah. so a lot of a lot of conference tournaments going on this week um, I believe the bigger power five conferences like the big twelve the SEC and all those I believe those are this weekend as well but I believe right now the lower uh, mid-major, the max, the Southern Conferences, the Summit Leagues, those are all going on this week. So go ahead and watch a couple of those if you can because those are going to be some of the teams that are that come down to, to make the tournament late. And, and those will be some of the teams that are impressive because there are some pretty good mid-major teams, I think, this yeah, season. Yeah,
1: for sure. I think it'll be interesting.
0: Yeah. So that was Day to Day. We will be back next Monday.